If you haven't done yet, please uh, turn to 2 Timothy 1. I'm going to be reading huge passage, verses 13 and 14. I'll give you guys 10 seconds. That's good. Uh, so verses 13 and 14, they'll be up on the screen. It says, Hold fast the form of sound words which thou hast heard of me in faith and in love which is in Christ Jesus, that good thing which was committed unto thee keep by the Holy Ghost which dwelleth in us. So point number one is get a grip, uh, and that's going to be verse 13. And we see that point A is hold fast. So we're going to get a grip, and we're going to hold fast. So Paul first tells Timothy to hold fast the form of sound words. It's easy to read that without stopping to consider uh, what that actually means. And our guy Job gives us a pretty good description uh, in chapter 27 in verse 6. He says, My righteousness I hold fast and will not let it go. My heart shall not reproach me so long as I live. So it's clear that he was not going to let go of his righteousness. He was going to hold on to it no matter what. Look at what Jeremiah 8.5 says. It says, Why then is this people of Jerusalem slidden back by perpetual backsliding? They hold fast deceit. They refuse to return. That gives us the definition, but man, isn't that a sad verse? The people of Jerusalem, the city where God put his name in 1 Kings 11.36, were so slidden back from their Lord that they held fast deceit and refused to return. They were holding fast, all right, just not to the right things. Inversely, the proverb, or the, the proverb uh, chapter 4 and verse 13, uh, the father emphasizes the importance of instruction to his son's life by telling him to hold fast. He says, take fast hold of instruction. Let her not go. Keep her, for she is thy life. Father made it clear to the son that he needed to hold on to instruction because it was his life. He had something important to hold on to that was intrinsic to living his life in the right way. So having looked at all that, I think we have a pretty good understanding of what it means to hold fast, right? If not, we can't go back, I'm sorry. Um, nevertheless, I put it this way in your notes to help you. Uh, to hold fast is to grab a tight hold of something and to not let it go or depart from it. Again, to hold fast is to grab a tight hold of something and to not let it go or depart from it. So knowing that, I'll, I'll give you guys a, a second to write it. There's kind of a lot to write. Uh, but we'll move on to point B, which is the form of sound words. Um, look, at, look at me when you guys are done writing. Sam, you're on point. Um, so let's, let's get into letter B. Um, and to, to do that, we need to take a look at a passage from last year's study in the book of 1 Timothy, uh, in chapter 6, verses 1 through 3. It says, Let as many servants as are under the yoke count their own masters worthy of all honor, that the name of God and his doctrine be not blasphemed. And they that have believing masters, let them not despise them, because they are brethren, but rather do them service, because they are faithful and beloved, partakers of the benefit. These things teach and exhort. If any man teach otherwise and consent not to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to the doctrine which is according to godliness, semicolon, we'll stop there. Uh, man, at first, glass doesn't, or at first glance, doesn't it seem a little irrelevant? to our passage, um, but it's actually intrinsic to understanding what we're talking about. See, Paul had set forth a doctrine for Timothy in the church concerning servants and masters. Rather than despising their masters, as many people at their jobs do today with their bosses, uh, those that were servants were told to count them worthy of all honor and to do them service. But Paul makes mention of men who teach and exhort to do other things than servants being obedient to their masters and counting them worthy. Those men don't consent to these words, which, by the way, are wholesome, 
the words of our Lord Jesus Christ. And the doctrine put forth here, which is according to godliness, they encourage people not to live them. Paul says later in 2 Timothy that there is coming a time when people will not endure sound doctrine, but will heap to themselves teachers after their own lusts. That's verse four, or chapter 4, verse 3. Man, doesn't that sound like our world today? We live amidst a culture of personal truth. If you don't like or agree with what you hear, the problem is them and not you. And if you've got a problem, you can just go somewhere else if the answer isn't to your satisfaction. You get to make the truth, and if someone disagrees with the way that you are living, you're in no way accountable. This is why Paul told Timothy to hold fast the form of sound words. There were going to be a lot of different voices calling out truth, truth! And at this point in history, the word of God wasn't even done yet. Right? John hadn't had his revelation Uh, vision, if you will. So Timothy had to make the choice of whether to hold fast to what he had been taught and led in by the apostle to the Gentiles or to run to whatever sounded the most appealing and take the ministry with him. 2 Timothy 4 goes on to say, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto uh, fables. Jeremiah 5, 31, back in the Old Testament, it says, the prophets prophesy falsely and the priests bear rule by their means. My people love to have it so. And what will ye do in the end thereof? Remember those backsliding people we talked about in Jeremiah? A lot of them were leaders. A lot of them were prophets and priests, and they loved to have it so. They loved being told what they wanted to hear. They loved speaking what they wanted to say, and they loved doing what they wanted to do. Looking at the end of that verse, we have a choice, and they had a choice, like Timothy has a choice. Every week we come here to the well and we get to hear the truth from God's word. That's awesome. Praise the Lord. But what will we do in the end thereof? Will we hold fast to the form of sound words or are we going to be hearers and not doers? Uh, some of you guys are newer faces. That's, that's awesome. I'm glad you've been coming around. But I want to be open and honest with you. Here at First Baptist Church of New Philadelphia, we believe the authorized version of the word of God, the King James Bible. We believe in the complete authority and sufficiency of Scripture for everything in our lives. We believe that the Word of God is the inerrant and complete truth. Here at First Baptist Church and at the well, we hold fast to the Word of God. With that, letter C, in faith and in love. Um, Going another step further, we got to look at the how to our what, if you will. Uh, Paul tells Timothy to hold fast to the form of sound words in faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. And we see him first use this phrase in his personal testimony in 1 Timothy 1, uh, verses 12 and 14. It says, And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who hath enabled me, for that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry, who was before a blasphemer and a persecutor and injurious. But I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was exceeding abundant with faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. Uh, but if I'm being honest, the question on my mind when I was studying and writing this was Why? Now, what's the, what's the intrinsic significance of faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus? So let's take a look at those two words individually, faith and love, and kind of define them, because I think that'll help us. Uh, Hebrews 11.1 1 gives us a great definition of faith. It says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So we see that it has to do with things hoped for. It has to do with things unseen. Faith is belief, according to the Bible which is why we have faith that our salvation is faith-based, as written in Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. It says, For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Faith is not of ourselves or of our works. 
It's believing what is true and hoping for what is not seen. So let's move on to love. We have our, we have our faith definition. Let's look at love. 1 John 4, 7 through 11. We'll throw in verse 16 because it works too. Uh, verse 7, sorry, my notes jumped. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. In this was manifested the love of God toward us, because that God sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him. Here in his love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. And we have known and believed, verse 16, the love that God hath to us. God is love, and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. So there are a lot of points being made here, but the clearest is that God is love. Not that love is God, mind you, but that God is love. He defines it because he is it. So by definition, what God does is love, right? So what did he do? He loved us while we were yet sinners, living in our filthy, disobedient lives, and he died for us. So go back to what Paul said in his testimony in 1 Timothy. The grace of our Lord was exceeding abundant to Paul because he was a blasphemer and a persecutor and presented a physical threat to the church. But God showed him mercy because he did it ignorantly in unbelief. And God saved him because he hoped in the things that were true and the things that he didn't see, that Jesus died and rose for him. And not him only, but everyone who has walked this planet. So if you're here tonight and you haven't accepted the free gift of salvation from Jesus, and you two are walking in those sins, the ones that separate you from God. Regardless of whatever those sins are, there's nothing you can do of yourself to pay for them and make a way to heaven against what popular men tell you. Romans 5.8 says, But God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The way to spending eternity in heaven with God and having a genuine love relationship with the Lord of Lords is through his Son and his Son alone. And according to the Bible, there's only one way to do it, Romans 10, 9, and 10. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It didn't say baptism. It didn't say balance these scales that America loves to tell you about. It said confess and it said believe. It's confessing that he is your Lord now and believing in your heart that he is who the sound words say he is. And if you haven't done that before and you need to take care of that tonight, pull Corey aside, pull Nick aside, pull Zach aside, pull me aside. I'm not the coolest guy ever, but you can still pull me aside. Um, pull the person that brought you here aside. Um, man, all that to say... This is that faith and love which was in Christ Jesus. Same faith and love that we had at salvation, we ought to have now in the times when men will depart from sound words. So with all of that, let's move on to point number two. And it's don't let go. Don't let go. What do we not let go of? Letter A, that good thing. It's keeping in line with what we just saw in verse 13. Paul's another thing that Timothy needs to hold fast to. Here in verse 14, we see that Timothy was instructed to keep that good thing which was committed unto him. At first glance, it seems extremely important to know what that good thing actually is because it's not explicitly stated. Uh, but let our attention be drawn to the phrase that comes after, which was committed unto the keep. That good thing was entrusted to Timothy, and he needed to keep it. 
Remember back to Proverbs 4.13, we know that to keep is synonymous with hold fast. So what was committed unto him, he needed to get a grip on, if you will. That still brings us back to the question, what was that good thing? The honest answer is, I'm not too sure. I have my inferences. Um, And I encourage you all to go and study it for yourselves. A little plug there for Bible study. We should all do that. Um, What I do know is that practically speaking, we, the church-age born-again believers, have had some things committed to us that we need to keep. So let's take a look at two big ones. 2 Corinthians 5, 19 through 20 says, To wit, that God was in Christ according, or sorry, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Ding, ding, ding. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. So though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. Those of us who have accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior, as we just discussed, have had the word of reconciliation entrusted to us. We have a job to do because we are Christ's ambassadors in this world. Look at what Paul said about this role earlier in 1 Corinthians 9, 17. He says, For if I do this thing willingly, I have a reward. But if against my will a dispensation of the gospel is committed unto me. Have you ever considered how we call it the Great Commission? I personally haven't, so don't feel bad if you haven't. Um... It's not called the great request or the great desire. We've been commissioned to share the gospel. It's been committed to us. And we're to keep that commission regardless of our attitude in the moment. It's critical that we hold fast. Not only have we been entrusted with the gospel, we've been entrusted with the ministry. 2 Corinthians 3, 5, and 6. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything as of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God who also hath made us able ministers of the New Testament, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter killeth, but the Spirit giveth life. 2 Corinthians 4.1 continues saying, Therefore, seeing as we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not. So like how we receive mercy from God at salvation, we have received the ministry of the New Testament. It's been committed unto us like the gospel, and we've got to take it seriously. But we can also have the right attitude or the wrong attitude while we're keeping it. Uh, we, lo- we love this verse for any time we talk about the ministry, but look at the house of Stephanus in 1 Corinthians 16. It says, I beseech you, brethren, ye know the house of Stephanus, that it is the firstfruits of Achaia, and that they have addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints. So do we love sharing the gospel and ministering so much that we could be called addicted? I mean, surely that's indicative of holding fast and of keeping that what was committed. We know our what? Let's check out our how really quick, and then we'll wrap up. That's letter B, by the Holy Ghost. Like holding fast, the instruction to keep was given with a specific approach in mind, by the Holy Ghost, which dwelleth in us. We can try to do it on our own, but doing things on our own led us to be estranged from God and required Jesus paying our debt to fix. Proverbs 8.13, this is the last verse on your guys' sheet. It says, For if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye, through the Spirit, do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. So we who have the Spirit dwelling within us, salvation, are called to mortify our flesh and live in the Spirit. It's how we hold fast. It's the only way we hold fast. It's how we keep what's been committed to us. If we aren't doing so, how can we possibly have a tight grip? So as we kind of come to a close tonight, I know it was a little bit quicker, but thank you guys for listening. Uh, man, be considering what and how you're holding fast. 
we all will leave a legacy. What will you do in the end thereof? Those of us that have not accepted Christ as your Savior, you've heard the sound words tonight. Will you be faithful to them? Those of you who are saved, will you be willing to let go of whatever it is you're holding on to that isn't the form of sound words, that isn't what's been committed to you? Leaders, how tightly are you willing to hold on? In conclusion, two hands, Tim. That's all for tonight, guys. Let's pray real quick. Lord, thank you uh, for this, albeit brief on my part, uh, study, God. We are thankful for your word. We're thankful for the ministry, uh, man, and the word of reconciliation. And we just pray for help to keep it, God. Help us to be faithful to what you've taught us.